Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Station. This is Series 2 of our revamped and new look mental health and sports series. This series we're focusing specifically on footballers. We'll be talking to current and ex-footballers about their difficulties with mental health, addiction and uh, various similar similar subjects. Uh, in the current climate of the world, we think that talking about mental health is uh, more important than ever. Uh, in this strange world that we are in currently. These shows are going to be an open and honest account of some of the issues faced by these athletes uh, at the height of their career and how it's affected their lives, both on the pitch and away from the pitch. Um, it's going to be very relaxed chat, but uh, it's going to be a very honest one as well. Um, here at Ace Podcast Nation, we are home to many guests and shows featuring exclusive interviews, top guests, expert analysts and more on various subjects. You can find the video versions at youtube.com slash acepodcastnation. Please subscribe. And of course, you can find the audio versions at every single podcast and radio platform you can think think of. Uh, there's various links in the description below. Um, you can also find the links for our social media as well as information on help around mental health or the subject of the episode. Uh, so with no further ado, Joining me for each episode is someone who's appeared on the channel a few times before and uh, he's back again to help us talk to our guests and uh, spread awareness about mental health. It's my co-host, mental health support worker, Jacob. Welcome back, my friend. All right. I was just thinking uh, just before we come on, I thought, as I always do, I think we were talking about traditions and sort of uh, superstitions. So I was brushing my teeth and my missus was like, you can't smell your fucking breath. What are you like? Why? Are you? And she was like, "You dressed up for this, like you don't yeah. care." About. I was like, 
superstitions. I'm the same, mate. I had a shower just before we started. Yeah. Like, just I don't know why I do it. I've brushed my teeth. Uh, I've got my two glasses of water. I've got my superstitions. So you can. So you're. I'm fully prepared for today's uh, session. I'm glad you are, mate, because I'm losing my voice. So like halfway through, if I have my voice goes, I'm, you know, my, no, my mic fine. is working. It's just I've lost my voice completely. Uh, so joining us today is uh, Warsaw Defender and Captain of Club, Mr. James Clark. Welcome, James. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, uh, thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, no worries, mate. Looking forward to this. It's going to be a good chat. Um, so what we do with the shows, it's just a natural, just a conversation rather than us questioning you or grilling you. Um, but what we like to do to start is for people who maybe are not aware, maybe not football fans or not aware of you as such, is uh, you kind of just tell us in your own words about your, your kind of upbringing, your career, and just a bit about yourself, really, mate. Um, well, from the start where I grew up, so I grew up in Aylesbury, which is sort of by, well, you'd probably say more London way, really. Um, played football was into a drum, from what I can remember. My, um, Mum and Dad, to be fair, luckily supported me throughout it, and they, you know, they, they've done so many hours driving uh, to and from training all over the country as well. So, yeah, it's a massive thanks to them where I am. Um, I ended up playing for Oxford United, which is only half hour away. Uh, so, the ranks of the youth team, I went into like, the first team and uh, come across some uh, not some great moments, and I ended up falling down the league again sort of part time when I was working. Um, and now my gaffer, my current gaffer, Dale Clark, signed me when he was at Salisbury. Uh, so I had to like sort of move over there. Um, and then yeah, I ended up playing for him for I think it was two seasons when he moved to Bristol Rovers. Then uh, luckily they got promoted to League Two and he took, uh, he took me with him, which was nice. Um, and a good four years there, which, you know, my career, and um, now he's gone to Warsaw, so I've gone and joined him there, basically. Nice. <laughs> You're his lucky, uh, lucky charm. Yeah, yeah. well, that was the way around, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, obviously, we're going to discuss kind of some of the, the, the issues you've had surrounding mental health, um, James, but um, I know, Jacob, you've obviously uh, are already familiar with uh, James, so did you want to tell us like just a little bit about that to start us off? I know it's hard to believe, but I was never a professional footballer, so it's not through football, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. So yeah, um, I had met James. Well, the uh, first time I met actually James was at uh, an awards uh, Rovers awards night that I was very luckily uh, invited to. So, that, so I'd seen him there, and um, we were doing stuff with Bristol Rovers at the time, and then. Obviously, James moved over to Warsaw with a guy called uh, Stuart Sinclair. So Stuart had been helping out the mental health football group I'd been working with. So we'd always stayed in contact with Stuart. And then sort of just about March time when sort of COVID was kicking off, we were running sort of, instead of running the actual football group, we, we were running these Skype sessions where we'd have a footballer come on, take part in a and a I said to Stuart, like, oh, could you think of any players? He said, oh... James would be great. Uh, he's really passionate about mental health. Uh, have a chat with him. And then I didn't know anything. Like, I knew James had played. I didn't know any of his sort of uh, stuff around sort of, uh, his mental health and stuff like that. So then probably about a couple of days before the session, James had come to me and said, I really want to disclose some of my struggles. 
and some of the things that experience that I've been through. So I was like, this is amazing. You know, I for me, like when someone does that, I think it's more like it's amazing that someone feels comfortable enough to share that in front of you. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really brave thing to do. So I was really uh, happy. And then Bra- um, James' session was one of my favorites, actually. I think he sort of shared some stuff. That was really amazing. Um, but also just, we just had a great talk. So he he, he spoke for about an hour to uh, some patients of mine uh, that come to the football group. Um, and it was really great. And then afterwards, which is very rare, not like I would love to say every guest that comes on gets back in contact with me and says, oh, da, da, da. But it very rarely happens. So James got back in contact and said, look, I really enjoyed it. I would love to help out more. So James sort of got involved uh, with the project. So he's now one of our ambassadors. So, uh, And since sort of then, like, I think that was sort of like July, obviously, it's been quite hard with sort of COVID doing anything to do with football. But James has been like amazing with sort of like helping us. So today, uh, I've actually seen James recently, uh, like today, uh, he delivered sort of, I think it was like eight or nine pairs of football boots for us to give. Uh, to some of our players that are unable to afford boots, so stuff like that, just little things like that make a massive difference. So, uh, of course, yeah, yeah. So I think, like long term, I think it's it's going to be great for us uh, working with James, and I think, I think why it works with James and Stuart and Chris, some of our ambassadors, is they've got a real passion for mental health and just sort of helping their local community. So those, I'd love to say there's loads of people like that in the world, but that's, you know. <laughs> there's not uh, yeah. so James has been great and really helped and just like I think some people think you know we need these huge like things when uh, footballer joins in but just things like just you know football boots uh, for some people you know I know we've got some mild boots I just chuck them away but you know James some of the boots are amazing that we've uh, got so I know when I deliver them they'll be great so when we first, first spoke about doing the series. I was like, yeah, let's get James on. It'll be great. Uh, and especially, you know, I've been up to Warsaw. We took a group up. Uh, I think it was about eight or nine uh, lads up to Warsaw to watch a game. And it was great. Uh, we've sort of, I've now inherited the second club that I support. So like mm. every Saturday I'll, I'll look out for the, I always say I'm not a football fan. I'm sort of like a player fan. So like wherever there's certain players I like, I'll follow their team. So uh, yeah, I was watching uh, the highlights and, I'll I'll follow the game. So got you didn't play on the week on oh, Tuesday, no, but but uh, no, it was, you you scored a penalty. Last, was it Rovers? You you went you went back. Did you go back and take a penalty? Yeah, yeah. no, I didn't take one. Now. Oh, no, <laughs> I'm gonna do that. So I was gutted because obviously uh, Warsaw were playing Rovers a couple of weeks ago. But obviously we go, I was like before when it got announced, I was like brilliant. We're gonna get down there take a group and uh sit in the away end with the warsaw fans and, and that's the great thing that's come from this like we've when we went to warsaw we spoke to a couple of the fans and we we're like oh this is what we're doing so we feel like we've got a loose connection with uh some of the fans in warsaw which is you know it brings the community together which is great so yeah i was desperate to get uh james on today yeah 100 percent. i can understand that and um like obviously james with football like you just mentioned penalties there um like it's football's very much like up and down. One minute you're you're the you know you're the king of the castle. The next minute you can be missing a penalty or the yeah, villain. If you like. Um. So like, how difficult is it to manage those kind of highs and lows generally? Um. Oh, uh, well, to be fair, something that Daryl said to me when I first sort of met him, and it was his sort of like motto: "Was like never be too high, never be too low." So. When you're winning, taking your stride, when you're losing, sort of brush it off. Yeah. So 
that's sort of how I've tried to sort of like in my attitude like throughout my career really like just taking each game as it comes sort of thing and there's going to be plenty of disappointments in football just Christ like so it's just one of those things when it, when it does go against you like you just sure you've got to try and put it to the back of your mind yeah it's for sure it's, it's a strange one in football because you try and when I was younger it was very I, I, I felt like I'd need to talk about that sort of, I'd miss a pen just saying, oh, I'd have to be like, oh, I'd go and talk to someone who's just going to repeat one, going to say, then be like, oh, I can't believe I'm missing it, but, oh, yeah, I know, but I feel like it was giving me some sort of, like, I don't, I, I don't even know, I, I think I was just having the conversation to take out of it, trying to get maybe sympathy out of it, trying to make myself feel a bit better of it. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, to be fair, like, the way Sarah was, in the football environment, sort of maybe things like, you know, that's gone now, that's happened, it's a different point, but you know, try and move on from it, basically. Okay, so I was just going to ask you, really, um, previous to what went on in uh, March 2017, did you kind of um, have any kind of issues with mental health before that, whether it, you know, whether it be depression or anxiety, just anything at all? Uh, no, I wouldn't say like I'd been, I'd had problems with it. I think we'd all faced it, especially in football. Yeah. Like, like, not, I wouldn't say like I was ever like depressed, but obviously like when you want when you want to win or you want to make it as a footballer, what you want like, so bad, you know, you have setbacks. It does not give you six by a bit. Um, but I think I think that's amplified in football, especially when you're younger. Uh, those sort of, you know, you wouldn't, like, back, like, looking back now, I'd look back and I'd be like, oh, like, there were, not, I wouldn't say signs, but there were times where I was like, yeah, I was very low, I didn't need to be, I didn't need to feel like my world, was, my life was falling apart, like, if I got released from the club or something like that. Looking back, like, there, there were, like, low times, but I didn't need to be, like, well, I could have probably had more of a conversation with someone about it, which could have made me, been a bit different about the situation yeah and i hope that um by people seeing this series and just generally like jacob mentioned some of the names which have been you know, talking to him about mental health i hope that by people seeing footballers specifically in this series talking about mental health and their um issues or struggles or whatever it may be that you know they're all on kind of different subjects that people will talk about it more and the more because the more people talk about it i think it's just better better for everyone isn't it and i mean yeah. i'm sure there's still uh footballers there's still people everywhere who uh, still feel like they're suffering with whatever mental, mental health condition it may be or an addiction or depression whatever um who are still not talking about it because they don't feel they can and i think that's what it's about um, Jacob, isn't it? It's, it's trying to keep raising that awareness and, and keep encouraging people to talk about stuff and to just open up and be, you know, realise that they aren't, you know, they're not alone. Yeah, I think it's one of those things. Like, it keeps. It's always in the news. Like, oh, it's good to talk about. It, it's good to talk about. It. And I think sometimes it, you might have people go, you know, it's, they're going on about that a lot. But I can yeah. definitely speak for myself. Like. Uh, Especially with my ADHD, I didn't talk, I didn't talk to anyone about it till probably I don't know, maybe twenty one, 
probably later than that, probably about 25 to be honest. And uh, it didn't do me any good. Uh, and then when I struggled with depression, like I think I just thought, let's just try something different. Uh, and so I was really open about it. And it was one, probably one of the best things I ever did, to be honest. It, and I chatted to other guests and other people recently. Someone I spoke to recently was just like, once you open up, you've got nothing then to hide. Like, and you yeah. can just be 100%. And, and sometimes I feel like now, can say anything like it sounds awful but i can say anything and there's no sort of uh i i don't i don't feel like i'm hiding myself where before i felt like i've maybe had with jacob that was this person yeah, and it's like, like private private yeah private so vision think, of you, yeah and i know it's really difficult because you know i'm very lucky i work in mental health so it's quite easy for me to share my experiences mm. it's really what you know i can understand probably for some men in particular in their industries of work it's probably not that uh easy to so even if you can't in your workplace, just finding someone that you can. So, if, you know, and that's the great thing about social media. Like with my ADHD thing, mine was at first uh, anonymous, didn't post anything. And I would just share, talk about my experiences anonymously. And then I felt after like about a year, I was like, right, let's post my face. Uh, but yeah, for a long time, I didn't post any stuff about who I was. Um, and that eased me into it. So I would always you know, encourage people to do it that way. That's how I contacted you, when I think, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Because I was, like, through social media and I sort of discovered your Twitter account and here we are. Um, and obviously, like, with my situation, I um, I talked about stuff in a podcast um, way back with um, journalist Phil Brown, which we did on grief and depression. But the stuff which I talked about in that, some of it, I had kept to myself other than my wife for, like, over 25 years. Like, it was stuff from when I was 16. I'm nearly 40 now. And, like, I came off the podcast and I was so relieved. And, like, I don't know. I just felt like, wow, wish I'd done that 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. I think we're in this situation where now we can. You know, I was chatting to a family member of mine. And he he was just like, nah, I couldn't do that. Like, 10 years ago, or even 20 years ago, like, when they had struggled, they were like, if I would have said, you know, I was struggling with depression, I remember working with a guy who used to be a football coach and he told him he had depression 20 years ago and they kicked him off the team. They were like, oh, they, yeah. thought he, they thought he was at risk, he was like, uh, he was at risk to the kids. Uh, and they just had no knowledge on it. Like literally, yeah. and you think now, you think, what the, like, if anything now, I'd be like, this is great. Like, this is an inspiration to the kids. You say, you know, this guy's, but back then, it's just crazy, like just different times. So we're lucky, you know. I think we're so lucky that we can talk about it now, where completely, you know, before we couldn't. Um, yeah, hundred percent. There was a Spurs player recently, wasn't there? Um, or in the last couple of years, you said like when he was struggling, he wanted to tell. I think he might have told one of the coaching staff or whatever, but he was so worried about losing his place mm-hmm. in the in the first team in the squad. That he found it very difficult to kind of open up. I forget which player it was, but anyway. And, uh, unfortunately, in football, there there is still that. You know, yeah, I think uh, James is very lucky with Daryl. He's you know a uh, man manager that cares a lot about his players. But there are still dinosaur managers out there oh, who, who I know players have gone to just about general stuff, saying you know I'm having trouble with my relationship or with my wife or stuff like that, and they go don't care. You only yeah, have to the weakness. Yeah, yeah, they do. God, yeah. Sorry, mate. I was going to say you only have to look at Roy Keane's reaction when he was assistant manager at Ireland when one of the players took 
like a couple of days to spend with the baby because they're like he was supposed to be on international duty. His missus had gone into labour, had the baby, so he was late joining up. And one of the journalists asked him about it, and Roy Keane basically said, "Well, he didn't have the baby," yeah, and it was like, yeah. "Geez, come on, like that's yeah, very that's but that's a, I think that is a very kind of uh, old school football old school thought, isn't it?" Yeah. Um, okay, so. Um, well, I can't answer the question. So, no, but I didn't really like or was aware of any like depression or anxiety back then before the day you said. Yeah, okay. So, so um, you mentioned Daryl a couple of times, James um, and Jacob. So, just for the people who don't know who that is, just kind of tell us who that is. Um, oh, Daryl Clark, so he's my uh, manager of Warsaw, he's been my manager at Bristol Rovers and at Salisbury City back in the day. And uh, he was a great bloke who's had me as a, as a player for now, maybe eight, nine years. Oh, maybe okay. eight years or so. So I've known him like, a very long time. So, you know, he's, so, he's very personable. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, do you he, think he was. Oh, sorry. So, so on, when he was at uh, manager at Rovers, he's. Big fan favorite. I think the way he manages is quite different. To he's he's very like old school in some ways. Like he doesn't care about what he says. He'll say it how it is, but not in not very nice way. He'll say it in yeah. like the nice way. And like so, he had done an interview with me and most managers. Uh, I was like, oh, what did I say to him? I was like, um, do you want me to like? Do you want? Is there any bits you want me to take out? He was like, no. He said, mm. you know, if I said it, it was true. Uh, and he's very sort of, in Bristol, there was like, there's a couple of moments where, when James was saying, uh, what did Daryl say to you about the highs and the lows? Oh, just never be too high, never be too low. Uh, so when it, when he was saying, oh, Daryl said, never be too high or too low. As soon as I, he said that, and there's there's one image I think of Daryl. And so it was when they got promotion and he's like wow. literally wow. in the middle of the ground with about 200 fans like, and then I remember, like, I think I don't know which season it was. There's a famous footage in Bristol of him in a local pub dancing on the on the tables. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking he's definitely enjoying the highs there, but you know, he's such a nice guy, such a nice guy. Hundred percent. So we, um, James, we talked about. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Sorry, before I go to that, is um, so with Daryl. Obviously, you've been with him a long time. Um, and obviously, we're going to talk about some of the stuff that you've been through and you've had to deal with. Um, and I'm imagining, by the way, you've spoken about him, that he was very supportive and helpful. Do you think that if you didn't have that relationship with him, um, you know, he, the the football club and stuff would have still been as supportive? And I don't necessarily mean Warsaw specifically. I just mean football clubs kind of generally. Do you think there's a lot of work that can be done to support players with sort of any issues with regards to mental health? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, like I say, I'm lucky like he is my manager because if I was at the stage, just to have for a new club with a new manager, I didn't really know and new, new staff and I didn't really know people like, I wouldn't really know where to turn, if that makes sense. I'm lucky I was in a position where I had, a, I had a manager on every year. But if I was at like, like a different club with a different manager who 
but I was just getting to know. I wouldn't really be so forthcoming with any, any sort of issues I'd have, really. Yeah, I think that's 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 understandable as well. Um, so just kind of talk us through um, what happened with you back in uh, March 2017. Um, right, so basically, so I, uh, I have a nut allergy and um, somehow I managed to eat some, not sure how, still can't sort of thing, really, but it's sort of, it's sort of a, I had like a, um, a minor reaction to it. Um, and I ended up going into the game, warming up, not not feeling particularly great, um, sort of like a bit like irritable and like sort of, I have asthma as well, so I thought I was just having like sort of like, maybe like a small asthma attack or something like that. Um, and they were saying, oh, are you okay? Like, I was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine, like, it's fine. I ended up going into the game and um, I could feel it getting worse, and you know, I was more irritable, I was, Felt like in front of my face felt like quite swollen, uh, and so I couldn't really take a deep breath. I couldn't take a deep breath. All to be fair, like I could only have like small, very, very small breaths. Uh, and I kept thinking, oh, I was inhaling. I was thinking, oh, maybe it's run out. Like I've asked someone to bring another one out, and I was waiting for like a break for the ball to go out of play. So I could like pick one up another. You know, I think it stayed in for quite some time, uh, and I'm actually. Get a break, go quickly, have another go, and I was like, something, something like that. And I was like thinking, I just see through to our time too, I think, like, I'll say to you, I don't, something like that. And um, one of their players went to me, like, are you alright? And I was a bit like, yeah. And then my player went to around and said, like, yeah, like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. I was like, are you sure? And I, I, I ended up like having to run after the ball. I literally couldn't breathe. I like, very, very short breath. Um, and then, like, I remember, like, going then to the ref, like, I want to go down there. So I couldn't, like, couldn't take a big enough breath. And I think I was panicking a bit with it as well. Uh, and my physio came on the pitch. And they walked me off the pitch and sat me into the, uh, in the, in the physio room. And they were saying, because I've mentioned to my physio that, like, what I'd eaten a nut before. Um, he was like, oh, like, yeah, he's allergic to nuts because he's had it before. And, uh, the job doctor there, Barry, then, yeah, we think they have like an anaphylactic reaction. Um, because I've never, never had before. I've never, never had, I've had reactions to nuts and nothing, nothing serious. Uh, they were like, we're gonna have to, like, inject you, like, you have to have your EpiPen and all sorts of things and take the hospital. And I, I always feel, I was still like, no, I was like, no, no, I'm not. And they were like, no, it's like, like the paramedics are here, we're going to call an ambulance and all this. And then I was like, no, honestly, I'm fine. They could have a look at this, they took a picture of me, showed me my face, and my face was like, blew up. Like, I've never seen it before, like that. It was like, it's quite frightening, actually. And then um, I just had like a number of injections there, and then sort of like set it down with bodies. I ended up going into um, getting put into an ambulance and going to uh, going having a few more things in the ambulance due to the drifting through my injections. And then the same thing for like in the hospital, I got there really. Um, fortunately, the physical problems from it were short lived, but 
Yeah, it sounds like um, an utterly terrifying experience, to be honest. Um, so you cut out a bit of my end there. I know that like the audio will be all right afterwards, but just I just missed a little bit of it. Did you say you don't remember? Um, kind of after a certain point, or you do remember all of it? Oh no, 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 I, no I, I, I remember. I certainly remember like the bits of it during the game, mm. and bits of it coming off, and uh, the ambulance, and I'm being in the hospital. Yeah, and so, did like oh, sorry, go on, no, go um, on, you make because uh, the bit, the bit, the bits I know. So they're saying like uh, both uh, team doctors came over and uh, helped with it. Did. Did anyone sort of, once you were sort of in hospital, I suppose, did anyone contact you? Did they contact the family, your family, just to let them know and stuff like that? Uh, well, not, not, fortunately, someone would only give me get my phone before I left the um, oh, stadium and part of doing So I was able to like, make them aware and make my partner aware of it, but obviously they were a bit worried. They like, got off an ambulance, but they weren't the capital, just gone down. I know we've spoken before, but at that point, I suppose that it's more of like, were you still in quite shock? Yeah, well, yeah. First of all, I didn't, didn't believe it was happening. And they were saying to me, like, yeah, it's just inside. And if you had the reaction, you need to not open. I said, no, no, no. Well, I don't know, I think my inhaler, like, is not going to be fine. Uh, until, like, they showed me, like, the pictures of my face and stuff like that. And then, then that's when it all hit me, and I was a bit like, 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 like Christ, like, I was simply by surprise, sort of thing. That was, that was the moment where it sent me really. The thing is, as well, is when, um, when everyone's asking you if you're all right, you, you kind of, it puts it more into your, like, your anxiety goes a bit then, doesn't it? Like, you know, in any situation, when people keep asking you, are you all right? You kind of think you get really anxious and you get kind of like, why, why is everyone asking me if I'm all right? But uh, you at the time, you obviously, sounds like you thought it was more asthma-based than uh, anything to do with your allergy. Um, did you say you still don't know where you kind of came into contact with the nuts and stuff? Well, I do, but I'm a legal, legal person. I can't really. Uh, ah, right. Okay. All right. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> which player was it? This? Yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> which um, was it? Like that must have been quite a scary experience, not just like for you, but also for your for your teammates and your opponents and stuff as well. Because, like, you know, whilst you get injuries and things like this in football when players go down with like an illness or, you know, we've seen it a couple of times over the last few years where players have had uh, like heart problems and things like that. It is a very different situation to like, even if someone has like a serious, like a leg break or something, like obviously that affects the players. But I think when it's something, you know, like this, which is very much nothing to do with football, it's, it's you know, it's not a pleasant experience for, for anyone who's there, particularly you, obviously. Um, so when you were in the hospital, were you in hospital for a long time after that? No, it was um, it was literally an overnight stay. Yeah, it was very yeah. like I, I said, like the uh, the physical side of it was very short lived. Really, mm. 
I think I'd played maybe two weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> like quick, really, got chucked straight back in. <laughs> when did you start noticing, like, the men, like, was it that first game back you noticed a few things? Well, to be, to be fair, the first few games I had back, I was like struggling to keep up with the pace, like, because obviously, like, I think I think like my breathing, like breathing was sore, and that, and I think because of the short breaths I was taking, sort of back then, sort of like, I don't know, like, I, think, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it, but like overused my lungs, maybe I don't know. Mm. But I was a bit, I physically like I could feel the, like, you couldn't see the effects of it, like as in because you could visually see the problems I was having at the time. Obviously, but that went down in like a few few days. But then when it comes to actually playing again, it was a bit. Physical wise, I felt like I, I just couldn't seem to last ninety minutes. Uh, but like you say, it was, it was towards the end of the season, there's only a few more games left anyway, so it was um, it wasn't really. I didn't. I can't really say I noticed much physical problems sort of after that, really. And when what did about? You start, oh, sorry, sorry. You, there you go. You go. I was just going to say, when did you start to kind of notice um, sort of any further issues with that, like? in terms of like your mental health side of it or like you know anxiety and things like that well it was um right away really actually i think i went straight back into 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 a game and i felt like very nervous and i wasn't like i wasn't like a nervous sort of person anyway i obviously i got nervous before a game but like in the heat of the moment and during the 90 minutes i was sound uh but in in those 90 minutes after the very, I was very anxious, very nervous, and didn't really want to make an error. Yeah. And then I'd note, and I'd, I'd notice it more in training. I was a bit like, a bit nervous in training. I was a bit like, and uh, I sort of put it to bed. I just thought like, I, didn't, I didn't really, to be fair, I didn't really think anything of it. Um, I think it was only into the next season. Sort of, I went and like, done the whole six weeks pre-season. And I remember speaking to my physio and just saying like. I don't know why, but I'm like really like nervous about training. I said, what do you mean? I was like, no, I just don't. A bit nervous going out there and training. I was like, I've known some of the lads like, God no, like, a few seasons after that, and like, I'd known obviously the manager, so I didn't really have anything to be nervous or anxious about. But I, I had like moments where I'd be like, very nervous about like just doing a passing drill or something simple. And uh, yeah, I ended up speaking to my physios and. Um, very, it was very helpful actually because he actually put me in club with, uh, in touch with a club doctor, and so we had like a sort of a three-way conversation about it. Uh, where he, the doctor actually advised me to speak to a counsellor about it, which I was, I was like, oh yeah, maybe. I was like, to be fair, like, like that. I didn't think it was even related to the to the to the incident really. I just thought oh, I'm just a bit nervous. Um, and as as time went on, I was a bit like, ah, oh, like it's all right. I'll get, it'll, it'll be alright. I'll get on with it. I didn't, I didn't really ever like take him seriously. To be fair, what his uh, his suggestion? I think it may have been a year on, maybe when I was a bit like, right, oh, like I, I remember mentioning it again, and uh, and I met, I'd mentioned, I mentioned other things like such as like it was a strange one because whenever so when I do have that. I have asthma attacks. Like during games, nothing serious, but like, well, I'll just take my inhaler and I'll be fine. I'd get that 
pain in me. You know, when you see a horror film, you see some gruesome, you get that pain through you. Mm. I'd, I'd get that when I'd have a tight chest. And I know it'd be asthma, so I'd take my pump. But I would always think, oh, it could be that. But I know it wouldn't, but I, that would always enter my mind. When, and that, 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 was a, that was a strange one because I knew, I knew what the problem was. I'd always think it might have been something else. And did you experience a, like flashbacks? Yeah, well, that yeah, flash. I sort of had like flashbacks where I wouldn't see. I wouldn't like flashbacks like where I'd see myself on the floor, but like I'd have flashbacks, flashbacks where I think like I'd see like my inhaler or something, or really out of breath, and I'd be like have like a realization of thinking about it. Yeah, and like imagining it sort of thing but it was more it was more it was a strange one because i'd more have i'd more have dreams about it i wouldn't i wouldn't call it a nightmare because i didn't ever wake up like scared or, or anything like that it was never scary it was just a dream where i just relived relived an incident that i'd seen which was an odd one because i remember speaking to the council about it and i was saying like well like it's a dream Problem is, it wakes me up and I can't get to sleep after then, no matter what what, what time that is. Uh, and I was like, "That's the problem." I was like, "It's not like I wake up in a hot sweat." But I did a few times, but like it wasn't exactly like it wasn't it wasn't a scary dream. It was just either me seeing myself as a third person or me just like reliving it through my own eyes, really. So yeah, it's a bit it's a bit of a bit of an odd one. Did family? Really... Sorry, mate. Uh, did family notice like a sort of? The finding sort of your well-being and like how you're changing sort of mood and stuff like that uh more not not so much family more more my partner really obviously my, my family live up um back in Ellsbury, so like yeah. i'll only ever see him so i like, once a month or twice a month there's more my partner really i think she would notice more more things it was her brought it to my attention when we would go out for food and i used to be like quite like and I explained it, but I'd be I'd be happy to order anything. Oh, I'll try something different, which which was me all over really. But um, I end up going very I end up going very safe and very like bland, if that makes sense. So like we go yeah. to like I don't know, like, TGI Fridays. Yeah, I'll go like TGI Fridays. I'll have like like a burger and chips and so like, when yeah. like, I used to like order something different on the menu sort of thing. So she sort of brought that to my attention really, which I didn't really think. Didn't really realise it to be fair until it was mentioned to me. Do you think that sort of like fear, that underlying fear, was sort of subconsciously like making your decisions, sort of with the food and stuff like that? Because I think I know you you spoken about it. I think like it's to not underplay. It, I think from what I read about uh, the the incident, you're really lucky, and I think lucky they had the paramedics and like the team involved there. Um, because it was really serious incident. So, do you think that sort of uh, that fear of what could have happened, that worst case scenario, or what that played on sort of your your emotions and sort of flashbacks? Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. I, I was very um, like how how I explained the situation is very like sort of like obviously I was easy going with the situation. I have explained it. It doesn't really sound as severe as it probably was. Like I and. During the incident, I didn't, think, I didn't feel it was severe enough to go on ambulance until like, I got in with the paramedics. And I said, I think I was trying to have a bit of a laugh with them. Right? And I was saying, like, I was like, so 
call how serious is this? Uh, and they went, they, they said to me, oh, well, it's a good job we're because we've seen people pass away within 20 minutes longer. Wow. I was thinking, Ooh. I was thinking, oh, so I was asked, touch and go then, like, trying to make mm. a joke of it. But obviously, knowing in where I was a bit like, like bloody hell, like. But like, yeah, you seem yeah. very laid back, like, just generally from speaking to you now, you seem, you know, quite like a laid back, chilled out kind of guy. Whereas, so whilst you're explaining it and stuff like that, it's obviously you're explaining it as you are, which is quite chilled out, quite calm and, and stuff. But like, for me, like, I've, that's the first time I've heard you talk, tell that story. I've read about it a little bit. And um, like, you can't undersell how lucky you were because of the, yeah, the, yeah, facility, yeah. You know, the safety facilities that were on hand that day. Um, and, you know, I think so... When did um, so? How far down the line, or when? When did they kind of mention uh, PTSD to you as kind of something to do with it? It was first when I first had a, the conversation with the club doctor, and he said it, and I sort of not laughed it off, but I was a bit like, no. I was like, come on, like, I was like, I'm, I'm nervous. I was like, I've, you know, I have a few dreams and a few flashbacks, like. And he explained to me that, oh, like, obviously, he said he's not a doctor in that, but he's like, there are many, many forms of like PTSD, which sort of the first sort of time I'd sort of, I've heard, I'd heard of it, but first time I'd come across it really. Um, so he, he was he was the one who first mentioned it to me, and I, I never really agreed with it, to be fair, until until I saw a counsellor who, who sort of explained it, who actually explained his his uh, experience of it to me and it's sort of not related but I, I could sort of understand why you could see it as a different sort of how it affects people differently yeah and I think that when people hear PTSD the first thing they think of is soldiers that have been yeah. in Iraq yeah, yeah. you know I think with any trauma it affects people in different ways so for some people when you hear PTSD you think well, my trauma wasn't as bad as going to war or something like that. So it can't be PTSD, yeah, yeah. but it's how that trauma affects you. And, you know, for you, that was a really scary, life-threatening uh, piece of trauma that, you know, or if you take it all apart, you think this person, or you put it on paper, this person has worked incredibly hard for you know, a certain amount of time to get his dream and he nearly lost it in this traumatic event. Yeah. And then when you write it down, you go, Okay, that's how, and then it, how, I, I remember I had some trauma um, from an assault uh, when I first started working in mental health, and uh, I, I was like, when I was similar to you, when I talk about it, I'd be like, oh yeah, it's nothing, nothing, and then people would be like, oh, that sounds pretty scary, and then it, mm. I think it, it's how it affects you, and like some people, you can they can get on with it, but I think it's that, for me, with the trauma, it affected me with like, what I I would think about what I could have been without and like, oh, if that would have gone the way it looked like it was going to go, I would be without family and all this other stuff. Um, so when you first met, when, so I imagine they went to the P, uh, PFA, when, when you first met that counsellor, uh, I know you spoke about it then, like, and we, we, we've been talking about this, the power of a shared experience. We talked about this before we came on air, like how important it is hearing other people's experiences. When that counsellor shared his own experiences, did you find like comfort in that? Yeah, yeah like I say, it wasn't relatable, but like it was explained to me because, like, like you say, like PTSD, we normally 
relate to like sort of war and because that's how you know that's how we've sort of seen it and i felt like i was doing like PTSD a disservice by relating it to my experience if that makes sense i was a bit like well like, like people people have got it they, they've been to war and, and i was like i had like an allergic reaction on the pitch like i was like you can't really relate the two like but, so like i felt like i was discrediting mm. like the, the term PTSD. and he actually explained to me his scenario and i was like it was different but i was like it's sort of on the same sort of you know it, it weren't a war scenario um so yeah like he, he sort of opened my eyes to it and sort of made me sort of accept that's probably what my my few symptoms bunched together were really yeah so the nhs definition of ptsd is literally um ptsd is an anxiety disorder which is caused by a very stressful frightening or distressing event events and and like jacob said it basically it doesn't matter what that event is. It only mm. matters how it affects you. Mm. So yeah. like, yeah. and like you guys both said, like looking back on the things which have sort of affected you with this sort of thing, you kind of look back and you thought, oh, well, it was just an allergic reaction. And Jacob, you said, oh, you know, it, was, it wasn't that bad. And it was only afterwards that you kind of thought about it and stuff like that. Whereas it doesn't make a difference whether it was in war or it's those things, or it could be something completely different. It's literally just your own mind's reaction to it and what it causes. Um, just uh, James, for like for people who who don't are not kind of familiar with what PTSD, um, you know what it does, uh, how the effects and stuff. I know you've said like about the dreams um, and kind of that. Uh, anxiety around playing again um how difficult is it to have those things going on and still be a professional athlete uh yeah tough to be fair yeah very tough because i sort of felt like sometimes i'd lose concentration in the game because i'll be thinking about what's happened before and like in the scenario and that and that yeah, it's a tough one, especially when, especially like, well, any game really, like, you get slightly nervous before a game, but like, there were, there were a couple of times where there was games where I was like, extremely anxious, sort of, to the point where I was a bit like, wouldn't mind if I didn't, if I missed this game, sort of, yeah. things like that, um, which has never, never been like me, like, I've always sort of like, tried to rise to the occasion, and sort of like, to like, thrive under the pressure, but it's sort of, it almost went the other way, and, Sometimes I felt like I was going to buckle and sort of play very sort of like safe. Mm. Uh, I didn't really want to put myself out there to make make an error. Or... Mm. So yeah, no, it does affect you, and especially especially like some strange reason. I just found, I just found myself thinking about it a lot just during the game. Like, yeah, I don't think it's a strange reason, mate. It's like mm. looking at it from a, from the outside, obviously. You know, it's, I'm not telling you what you should or shouldn't think. Why, like looking at it from the outside, I think there's nothing strange about it. You thinking mm-hmm. about it at any point because it's such a big thing, which could have you know so easily gone a different way. That, um, do you, oh, sorry, on, sorry. Go on, go on, do, you ever, do you ever think? Uh, do you ever think if you hadn't, you know, because it was really brave of you to then, you know, you like you said, you know, you knew Daryl for a long time in the, the team there. But do you ever think, oh, if I hadn't gone to 
get that support, like where it would have led? Well, I don't think I don't think we'll be having this conversation because I never. Like, I wouldn't have this conversation now because I never I never used to speak about it. If anything, it used to annoy me. Like I'd, I'd go back home, have a few drinks with a few of my mates, and see see old school friends. They're like, "Oh, what happened there? What happened to you? What happened there?" And I'd, I'd, I'd I'd hate talking about it. And I'd get a bit arsey, a bit a bit ratty. And I never I never really I only speak to my partner about it. So I never really actually used to speak about the scenario of what happened and how that. I found it quite. Like not boring, but I'd be a bit like I don't really want to go into it type of thing. I'd always sort of shut it down. Um, yeah, so like I, obviously, I, my the club dog sort of knew the scenario. My physio officer was there, so he knew what happened. So I didn't really need to explain too much to them. Uh, but it went into I actually went to the counsellor who actually we talked about it, uh, and it was very like the first session was very. He didn't really get too much out of me. I did speak about it, but like not a lot. And then the second session we sort of talked about it and it sort of went on and went on and like I didn't realise because I was end up saying I I, I remember saying something like we're going over this again and again. I said like, no, I've already said this. And he's like, Yeah, but now you've told me the whole story in like in the session. And I was like, Yeah, because the first one I'd only give him a bit. Second mm. session I was only giving him another bit. And then got to the point where would I felt like I was repeating, like repeating it, repeating it, and I, I was saying to him, like, "What are we doing here?" Like, and he's like, "Well, you just explained to me the whole of the scenario in like one hour," and I was like, I, "It sort of took me by surprise, really." Like, I was sort of went off, went off, and I was a bit like, "Like, what's he on about?" I got in my car, and it wasn't until I got home I realised like, I actually spoke to my partner about. I ended up going through the whole story of her again. And it was probably the first sort of real time that I've gone through the proper whole story with her rather than just bits of it. Yeah. So he sort of made me, well, by me talking to him, it made me feel a lot easier explaining mm. the scenario and, and the issues I'd had. And it's probably what made, well, like I say today, what's made me how I am with it. Like I'm able to talk about it as easy as it was because it is something that happened. Um, whether people see it as traumatic or not, like it was for me, and mm. I've just learned. I've, and the problems I had, I don't know if they'll. Like, like I said, the the counselor, I, I don't know if I'll ever get over it or whatnot. But I was like, but by talking about it with him, I've sort of learned to accept these are the problems, and they're mm. either going to be there or they're not. And it's just one of those things. Um, James, sorry, I just wanted to skip back a little bit. Um, I wanted to check something. So you know when you told Daryl, uh, kind of for the first time that you were kind of struggling with this, or you know, and had the 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 issues that you were having. Um, what was his first reaction when you told him? Um, his first reaction was, to be fair, he was he's always been he's always been good uh, in regards to me if I've ever had a problem sort of out of football. So. He, he said if I needed time, sort of like if I needed time away and that he'd give me a sort of thing. Um he sort of he, he wanted to talk about it, obviously I didn't really like at that moment in time I didn't yeah. really want to talk about it. Like so he he was he was good he was good with me in that in them respect. He sort of give me time and and also he sort of he, he let me just get on with what I needed. Mm-hmm. to do like I, I didn't need like if i had a bad day or a bad day in training sort of thing it didn't need to pull me in and like 
like getting to me and I think he I think he realised like I was struggling with certain things so he sort of left me to my own sort of devices and just okay. go on sort of like which I was better for me really I, I feel like I didn't need at that moment in time I didn't need I don't think I would have responded much to anyone trying to talk to me yeah. or trying to like divulge any of, any of the information I had mm. sort of thing so I think that? that's that shows the power of decent good man management I think yeah. if if you decent were with a, yeah, yeah if you were with a manager that was like I don't you know you're here to do a job yeah, 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 yeah I think you know I'd hate to think where that would have led to because oh, you know yeah. with any of these mental health difficulties or well the longer we leave it the worse it gets uh, yeah. so you know I, I, I suppose I speak the same for your family as well. You know, it's, we're really lucky that you were in at the right place at the right time with people that knew you. But yeah, I think yeah. that's that's the worry. I suppose moving forward to other players that are, you know, and and anyone listening to this, you know, who may, might be struggling in their work, and that's a professional footballer or a scaffolder. If you've got a boss that's not understanding, it's where where do you turn to then? You know, if you're struggling. yeah, and and that's the scary thing. You know. I, I've been lucky enough to work with a couple of footballers who don't have that sort of same relationship with the manager. And so it's really tricky because you think, you know, I'm very lucky in my work. I've got a great manager that I can share stuff with, but you know, it must be awful to have someone like be struggling and not have anywhere to turn to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Go on, James. Come on. I was going to say, I just agree. Yeah. Um, the other thing, very quickly, so like you said, Daryl, you know, it sounds like he had a phenomenal reaction, to be honest. Um, and that's like the kind of reaction that you want, I would, you know, from anyone is one, is caring, is basically saying, if you need anything, I'm here, you know, and I'll talk to you. But also kind of giving you that space whereby you, like you said, you didn't need to be pulled in and told that you weren't, you know, you'd had a bad day because you knew that already. Yeah. What about, um, what about your teammates and stuff when, you know, at some point, your teammates would have kind of found out that you're having these issues. Was it only when you kind of talked about it publicly that they found yeah. out, or did you discuss it more publicly? Before? Really, like I didn't, I didn't really. It, it was more like how it was talked about, how I talked about it with the changing. It was more about more a bit of a joke, really. Not not sort of my problems, but the scenario that happened. Um, so yeah, like obviously it was, I think it was the day before Cheltenham races, it happened and obviously I'd bought a suit and everything like, to go with the lads and like book, booked a hotel or whatnot to stay over and that and obviously I ended up in hospital bed, like not being able to go. So it was a bit of like, a bit of laugh and a joke and that. Um, but no, it was no, I never, I never really... Spoke to um, any of my teammates about any any of the issues I really had because we were quite sort garden of like sort of group really, and, mm. and they were well. Like I couldn't probably have had the conversation with them. I'm sure yeah. I would have been able to, but I, like, I, well, I don't think I was in that, that right frame of mind. Sort of yeah, go go to the team about. That's the thing about you know sharing experiences. You have to be in the right space. You know. I'm lucky and you're lucky. We're at a t- time in our lives where we're at that space. But if someone had told me yeah. four years ago, you'd be talking about depression. I'd be like, nah, fucking one. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. nah, no way. 
uh, I'm not at that stage. And and you know, it's I think for each person, it's that different stage where you are, where you have to go. Right, this is the time. I think with my trauma, it took me a long time till I get got to that stage where I could go. Okay, I can talk about. It. You're exactly right. When people ask you how it went, you'll go. This 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 happened, and this is where I am today. But you've never actually told the full story of where, how you were, how those emotions, yeah. the whole story. And there's, you know, same with my, when I had my counseling session after. He, there's stuff I talked to him about that I didn't talk to anyone else about, and those feelings, those raw emotions that come out. Um, since you sort of, obviously, this is your first proper, I suppose, podcast or interview where you where you'll be sharing your experiences. Um, what was the reason that you thought, right, this is the time where I'm ready to sort of talk about this? What do you mean, sort of, with, the part, with this podcast? Yeah, or just like, like, because I know we... In general. Yeah, in general, because I know we, you shared stuff uh, with me sort of a couple of weeks ago, but that was a real private sort of, we didn't record it or anything like that. What sort of changed, I suppose, this year where you thought, actually, this is the time where I think I'm ready to sort of own it and sort of share some of my experience to help others? Um, I don't know. You know, actually, it's a bit. It's a bit of a strange one. I think as as I've got older, and I think as I as I mature or grow, I think I like I said, like, I'd learn to accept things and like accept like sort of the issues I I have or have had. Um, and I th- I think sort of the sort of the world we live in now, we more it's more acceptable to sort of have the conversation and i think over the years i like don't get me wrong i've learned learned the hard way of being being able to talk about my experiences but i've seen probably other people talking about it and other people not not the same experiences that i've had but like uh, the same sort of scenario in a a sports person not struggling but like you know saying that they've had problems sort of thing like mental health issues and that so it was. Um, I think it not not. It didn't feel like it, it. I could probably say it felt like I was okay to. It was okay for me to come out and sort of like mm. say it to someone if, like, and, and have an open conversation about it. Like, yeah, definitely. And I think you're you're definitely right. I think things have definitely changed in the culture where you know we were saying this. Uh, me and so I was saying this to the last guest. You know. <laughs> Into uh, 2020, we've got three three men talking about mental health who've all got their own experiences, which is, you know, years ago, we just won't be in that uh, situation. I think uh, whatever you, your experiences are, you know, I've seen James play uh, a number of times and on the field, he's a very passionate, strong, um, and he'll, you know, I, I suppose your position in, in your squad, you're, you have to be, especially as a captain, but as a defender, You'll, you'll sort of run the pitch and tell everyone where to go. So I think for fans listening, for some it might be like, oh, this is really surprising. But I actually, I think it's quite human. I think it's quite normal to go, yeah. actually, look, I can be this person on the pitch, but it's okay to sort of not be okay, like they say, and it's okay to be vulnerable at times because it is so common that we all struggle. It's just not everyone's at a situation where they're ready to talk about it. I think it's inspiring, mate. I, do. I find it inspiring because... For me, like it takes a lot of um, it takes a lot of guts and a lot of hard work to get through something like what you've been mm. through. And I know, like 
there's always someone who thinks they know better. There'll be someone in the world somewhere who will kind of look at it and think, oh, you know, what's he on about? That's stupid. But as we've talked about, like, it's personal to each person. Like, it's, every person's different. Um, and for me, like, knowing that uh, the effect that the 20 years where I didn't talk about certain things, the effect that it had on my life leading to um, problems with alcohol, problems with gambling, problems with this, like other stuff, that all came about because uh, I didn't talk about stuff and I didn't deal with my problems. Um, so I know only too easy what that can kind of lead to. And for me, like whenever anyone is willing to, one, you know, say, look, I'm not all right or I've got a problem, whether it's addiction or something, well, you know, whatever it may be, when they're okay to, or when they're brave enough to say, I'm not all right. And you know that they might be concerned about what other people say, whether mm. it's teammates or colleagues or the media, or who, you know, whoever it may be. That, to me, is, I love it. I just think it's fantastic. And yeah. I commend you for it, mate, because like we, like we all talked about before the show, a little glimpse into it. It's like I said, I'd rather get one view of this video and that one person be like, yeah, I'm kind of feeling like that or I've been struggling and it reached that person then get a million views and everyone kind of go like listens to your story and be like, oh, wow, you know, that's quite an interesting story. It's good that he's got this and, you know, he's getting better or he's dealing with it. Uh, especially with the PTSD because I think, it is probably one of those things that is probably quite common, but a lot yeah. the the um, a lot of people have that thinking. Oh, I'm not a soldier, so I can't have PTSD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that. Yeah, if it takes you know someone to watch this and go, actually, no, oh yeah, I resonate with some of those. I get anxiety after that, or this and this. You know, go to their doctor or their GP. You know, it's great, it's fantastic. So I suppose, um, what's the plan for you? We're going to wrap it up in a minute. What's the plan for you, sort of this at the end of the, what, this season with Warsaw? End of the season? No, this season. What's the plan for Warsaw oh. this season? Uh, I'm, hoping, well, I'm hoping we do. I'm hoping we get near well near the top that we did last year. Yeah, I'm hoping, yeah. hoping maybe. Well, I know we're gonna we're, we're having to push for our promotional playoff spot. Really, I'd I'd be lovely if we could, you know. But um, obviously, times are hard at the minute, and. Uh, no one really knows what's going on, sort of thing, in regards to football. So, and as me and side, you know, it's the first uh, current player we had. What is it? How are the players struggling? Like, how are you finding it playing with no fans? Uh, yeah, very, it's a weird one because you sound it is cliche when people say like the fans are twelve man that, but especially when when you're at home you know, and you've got quite a few fans there and. You're trying to push for a last minute goal and you're getting like cheered on and that like it does give you that like that massive boost. Um but obviously with them not there now it's very like it's hard to explain. It feels like a, a reserve game, which is like obviously quite <laughs> a bit half well yeah, no pretend very like it sort of feels half hearted. Yeah. Like it feels like the environment uh, no one's able to watch and so no one's really bothered. It's a bit like it feels that like, obviously it's not. There's obviously still a lot on the line. But it feels very like re- reserve gamey, sort of like it's just because the, the build up's normally like you know, it's fans outside mm. and the warm up, there's fans. But obviously, with them not being there, it just feels like it feels like nothing's on the game. Obviously, there is, 
Yeah. But I mean, like the build up and then like obviously in the game you don't you do you do notice it, but obviously it's not it's not your main your main thought when you're playing the game. But yeah, no, it does feel like it does feel like it's, it's, it's just a, a game with nothing on it, and the build, especially the build up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it was. I can't remember who it was. One of the boys we've had on the football show on a Monday said it's like a Pontins League, like the old Pontins reserve games. Might have been <laughs> um, Andy. Might be Andy. Right? Yeah, Emmy Husky. I'm not sure. I can't remember which. But someone said it, and it, it seems to be that that's the type of. Uh, kind of atmosphere that it is just like a reserve game um but it's where we are unfortunately um james look so far thank you so much for talking about um you know your issues and everything which happened to you um i really appreciate your time um yeah and i'm like i said i commend you massively for you know just for dealing with it and being open enough to talk about it you know it's, i think again no, i think it's, yeah. it's wicked mate I really yeah do. definitely i would 100% agree i think you know, a lot of footballers get a lot of shit for you know, oh, yeah. uh, for maybe mm. uh, you know not helping. But I think James is a great example. You know, he, he helps his community, and that's the community in Warsaw, but also the community in Bristol. But also, he's sharing something that you know a lot of players. You know, it's you're in a great position that you can share. But I also in the other like I think of all the players that are not in that position, and they're still really scared of sharing. Their experiences and their sort of, I think, in some ways, that's probably worse for me. That I think I'd hate to be in a situation where I feel like I can't be myself and I can't share some of my struggles. So, you know, it's amazing that you can do that. And hopefully, it'd be great to catch up like, you know, six months' time on this or whatever on the Monday uh, podcast to see your reaction, what other players have said or fans have said. So, it'd be really interesting to see the reaction you get from it. So, I think. If it's how I think it's going to go, hopefully it will go really positive. So, yeah, thank you so much for being just you and being amazing. Uh, thank you. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, and then lastly, guys, I'd just like to say as well, if you uh, have got a family member or yourself is battling addiction, mental health problems or anything, if you're just struggling, just know that you are, you're not alone. We're all in it together. We all, uh, we all feel like it at some point in our lives. And uh, you can get through it. Uh, as a good friend of mine says, keep on keeping on. And uh, I'll drop links to all the uh, social media for us. And, of course, uh, for Mind Mental Health Charity and probably a couple of other links as well. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday for another episode of Ace Podcast Nation's Mental Health and Sports Series. Until then, spread the word. Remember to be kind. Hashtag don't be a dick. <laughs> Podcast Network.